Heavenly Father, we thank you for opening our eyes to see your glory, something of it, to be able to worship you a little bit like the angels in heaven, to turn our eyes away from all the wretched, miserable things of earth, to see the beauty of Jesus, to see your glory and to be drawn to you, Heavenly Father, to prepare a throne for you, a throne of praises. We have no complaints this morning. We have no complaints against anybody, anywhere on the face of this earth. We have no complaint about anything that's ever happened to us or anything that anyone has ever done to us. Because you are the blessed controller of all things and you have arranged everything for our spiritual education that we might partake of your nature and become more like Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you will open the heavens over us at this time as we come around your word. Grant us an anointing from heaven as we speak and as we hear. Let the Holy Spirit be upon us throughout this meeting. O oh God, confirm your word with signs following. Let your name be glorified. We don't depend on ourselves. We cast away all confidence in ourselves. We depend only on the Holy Spirit. And we pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified in our midst. His name will be lifted up. We'll be drawn to you. And our lives will be changed. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please be seated. Okay, we're going to continue our study in the characteristics of Pharisees. So, 16 of them, uh, I'm not going to repeat them, but we're going to go on to number 17. And um, we'll consider another 17 of them today and the remaining 17 to total up 50 um, tomorrow, God willing. Now this is not a comprehensive list. If you look into your own lives, you may discover another 50 more which are not written in the Bible. Please remember that. <laughs> and this is just to, you know, like... Uh, an appetizer it's not the main meal it's sort of to help you to see areas of Phariseeism in your life my life because the spirit of the Pharisee is against the Holy Spirit the spirit of the Pharisee is against the spirit of Jesus Christ please remember that that's why it's so serious that's why I said yesterday that Jesus main conflict throughout his ministry was with the Pharisees and when I see that, I say, Lord, just like I don't want even an atom of the spirit of hell in me, I don't want even an atom of the spirit of the Pharisee in me. And I have sought, particularly in the last few years, to discover the Pharisee in me. And what I'm telling you is what I've discovered is I've studied the scriptures. And uh, many things I've found in myself. 
I'm sure in the days to come I have to discover more. But life is a it's wonderful to have life to get light on yourself. I believe the mark of God's blessing is that God gives you light on yourself. If you're not getting light on yourself, God's not blessing you. Let me tell you without any hesitation, if you are not getting light on the unchristlikeness in your life, God is not blessing you even if you earn 1 lakh rupees a month even if you have the grandest car in town and even if you have the biggest house etc 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 i'm sorry to say god is not blessing you for many years i've been convinced now the mark of god's blessing upon my life is he shows me unchrist likeness in my life from which i can cleanse myself from that filthiness of my spirit and flesh so that i can partake of his nature and the holy spirit can permeate and invade one more area of my life and another area another area and gradually my life gets brighter my family life gets brighter my ministry gets brighter i can do more for god i'm not going to be bound by the narrow narrow petty rules of men and i become like the eagle in the sky so many of us are earthbound earthbound that's because we don't ask god to show us Lord show me the Pharisee in me. Pray that prayer in 2005 and you'll see that you'll become a completely different person. So number 17 we're turning now to Matthew chapter 23. This is the great chapter on Phariseeism in the entire Bible. And so all of the 17 points we're going to look at are all found in this chapter. That's a pretty good chapter. If you're serious about being free from Phariseeism I would say study and meditate Matthew chapter 23. It's one of those great chapters in the Bible like 1 Corinthians 13 and Matthew chapter 23. They are opposites. Law love is the opposite of law. To be led by the spirit is to be led in love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. If you want to be know what you're to be led out of, read Matthew chapter 23. So in Matthew chapter 23 The first thing number 17 that we're going to look at is Matthew 23 and verse 3. And there are two things I want to say from there. First of all, Jesus said about the Pharisees, they sit in the seat chair of Moses. Um they therefore all that they verse 3 tell you to do, observe, but don't do according to their deeds. They say things but don't do them. Um they sit in the chair of Moses. that means they have a lot of knowledge you can't sit in the chair of moses you know the chair of authority unless you've gone to a bible school and got a degree and probably got a doctorate they have a lot of knowledge but they are not obeying what they so that's another characteristic of a pharisee he has knowledge without obedience it's a very dangerous thing knowledge plus obedience equals life knowledge without obedience equals death it's better not to have knowledge than to have knowledge without obedience to use an example <clears throat> if you eat food we can say that's knowledge when that food gets digested in your stomach and digestive system that's obedience and when it gets digested that rice and curry and potatoes and all become blood and flesh and bones it's quite a miracle 
turning like turning water into wine to turn potatoes into blood and uh, you know your body is doing the miracle all the time turning rice into bones you turn rice into bones your body is doing it every day bones and flesh and blood but therefore it becomes life you you, you become healthy and strong but if you eat and eat and eat and it stays in your stomach i'm sure you know you've had some experience of that sometimes we vomit it out it's called indigestion and when you have indigestion any doctor will tell you give your stomach a rest skip a meal that's what i've done it it's always healthy if you have indigestion skip a meal and you find your stomach repairs itself and i would say if you keep on eating and eating and eating and your if it doesn't vomit it out if your not doesn't food is not vomited out and just keep on filling your stomach you know what that food will do to you it will kill you because if it doesn't get digested it becomes rotten in your stomach whenever you vomit it have you felt the taste of the food that comes out of your mouth when you vomit <laughs> it's not at all like the taste of the food that went in that's quite a difference it, because it's rotten <clears throat> it may have been a very tasty chicken when it went inside but by the time it's there it's dead it's rotten when it comes out of your mouth that's what happens to knowledge without obedience and that's why a lot of christians stink you know you know why christians stink the the people who stink the most are the ones who got maximum knowledge and minimum obedience that's what it means to be a pharisee to have maximum knowledge and minimum obedience knowledge without obedience is extremely dangerous and that's why the bible says you must meditate on god's word there may be something god wants to tell you there obey it if you don't obey what you hear in the meetings for example you just nod your head and say boy that was a great meeting and you don't obey what you hear i'm telling you it's extremely dangerous give give you a little time for that and it'll become you'll stink and the more me meetings and conferences and you come to the more you will stink now i've seen people like that i've seen people in our churches some people in cfc who behave worse than unconverted atheists in cfc who've heard the message for 25 years why do they stink they stink spiritually you got to hold your nose when you go around them because they don't obey they are not quick to obey but the sad part of this they themselves don't realize they're stinking do you think a a beggar who's never had a bath for a year do you think he thinks he's stinking no he'll come cuddle up to you and you want to stay away from him but he thinks he smells pretty nice and that's how a lot of christians who keep on disobeying god's word think they think they smell pretty nice a spiritual person smells that stink miles away there are, there are people i tell you honestly there are people whom i've i've seen i can look in their face and i say this guy is not right with god i can see it from a distance this guy is not right with god you can see it in their eyes there are people whose eyes are not pure you know for example uh, people who lived a very flirtatious sinful type of life in the old days uh, men and women and uh, they they get converted and they've stopped their immoral ways and given up their flirtatious lifestyle but they have not cleansed their spirit and 20 years later they still got that 
in their eyes and I can see it and I steer clear of such people because they have not cleansed themselves knowledge without obedience cleanse yourself okay we go to number 18 which is in the same verse Matthew 23 verse 3 and 4 the religion scholars and Pharisees are competent teachers in God's law but no you won't go wrong in following their teachings but be careful about following them they, they don't live what they preach so this is the thing to they, the 18th point is from the same thing they preach things without practicing it first see Matthew 23 verse 3 is the opposite of Acts 1 1 please remember these two opposites Matthew 23 they preach but they don't do Acts 1 1 it says Jesus did and then preached do you get it these are two opposites and with these two opposites you find how to build Babylon how to build Jerusalem Babylon is the false counterfeit church and Babylon is built by a whole lot of preachers who live in Matthew 23 verse 3 they preach but they don't do it in their life they preach and they tell people all types of things but they don't do it in their life whereas Jesus he did not preach and then practice no there's a saying practice what you preach sounds nice good but Jesus did something better he preached what he had already practiced he didn't first preach and then practice it later on he practiced it first and then preached it he never preached what he had not practiced how long do you think Jesus took to prepare the Sermon on the Mount you know people ask um, how long does it take to prepare a good sermon how long do you think the Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 is the finest sermon that anybody's ever preached how long do you think Jesus took to prepare that sermon half an hour one day no 30 years a good sermon takes 30 years to prepare you can't just listen to a tape and preach a sermon that's knowledge but if you want to speak like Jesus spoke you got to live it people have asked me brother Zach can I preach your sermon I say sure if you live it first you can go ahead and preach it because once you live it it's not my sermon it's yours if you preach it without living it you're just seeking honor that's all and that will kill you you belong to those people of whom Jesus said um, God said in Jeremiah 23 I hate those prophets who steal my words from one another so you got to live it the word has to become flesh in you then you can speak it you must ask God that's what I did 30 years ago and uh, God's helped me through the years to try and keep that Lord let me never preach in my life what I have not practiced I'll give you an example have you ever heard me preach that you must go to North India and be a missionary you think North India doesn't need missionaries they need thousands of missionaries why haven't you heard me preach it not because it's not needed I'll tell you it's greatly needed I do not have the authority to preach on that subject and you know why I've not lived there most of the missionary societies in India listen carefully most of the even the evangelical missionary societies in India their leaders all live in South India 
educate their children in good schools and colleges in South India and tell other people to go into those remote villages of North India and preach and to send their children to boarding schools or something like that. I am not here to judge them. God is their judge. All I say is I will not follow that example. I would be a Pharisee if I followed that example because I cannot preach what I have not done. A person who has lived in North India and who has brought up his children in those difficult circumstances, that person can tell other people to do it, not otherwise. The rest are all Pharisees. The same principle applies to many other things. Don't ever try to speak on something which you have not done. Don't try and tell people who have got teenage children how to bring up their teenage children if you have never had, if your children are not yet in teenage. It's like a bachelor telling people how to bring up their children. I have seen people who got children but they haven't come to teenage years but they are telling other people how to bring up their teenage children. If you don't have married children, please don't talk to other people who got married children. You know zero about them. Just keep your big mouth shut and you'll be a blessing in the church. But do you know the number of people who are Pharisees in the church who, who are experts on giving advice to all types of people. Things, areas they have never done a single thing in. What advice can you give? The advice of a Pharisee. They preach, but they don't do it. Or they haven't done it yet. Why not be patient and wait so that you can speak with authority? And because you've done it first. You brought up your children right? Speak on it. You haven't done it? Leave that subject out. Speak on all the other subjects. How can you teach chemistry when you haven't studied chemistry? I mean, people in the school know that. Why can't we know it in the church? They won't appoint an English teacher to teach chemistry. You got a degree in English. You can't teach chemistry. Leave somebody else to do that. Chemistry needs to be taught, but you're not the person. You got a degree in English, teach English. This is so simple. Atheists in school know it, but elder brothers in our churches don't know it. That is how Phariseeism infiltrates our churches. When we speak what we have not practiced. Further, it says here in verse 4, number 19, Pharisees bind heavy burdens on others. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. They put heavy burdens on people, but they won't lift it themselves. I remember once I was in a student camp where I was years ago and I was a speaker along with another speaker and that speaker preached and said you must tithe your time just like you tithe your money that means 24 hours 2.4 hours every day you must give to God to have your quiet time now I don't do that I have a quiet time with God 24 hours a day not 2.4 hours but anyway he believed in giving this 2.4 hours and then question time came. I love question times, especially with students because they ask the most searching questions. And they say, question, we want Brother Zach to answer this question. Okay, that's great. Do you agree with the other speaker that you must tight your time? I said, great, this is my opportunity. <laughs> I said, I do not agree. And I asked that other speaker who was sitting there. I said, brother, do you spend 2.4 hours every day with God? He said, no brother. <laughs> Hypocrite. I didn't call him that, but every, <laughs> everybody knew it. You know, put heavy burdens on people which they don't lift with a the finger themselves. There are numerous cases like that. 
There are people who preach tithing, who do not tithe their income themselves. Hypocrites. The Christian world is full of hypocrites who preach all types of things. Tell people to do this, that and the other. Put impossible standards for people and then don't lift it with one little finger themselves. God save us from such people. They are the ones who build Babylon, who destroy the work of God. Binding heavy burdens on people. In other words, instead of God's word being something that blesses people, they are making it a burden. I love the message translation which says, listen to this. Instead of giving you God's word as food and drink in which you can have a banquet on God, they package it all in bundles of rules and load you down like pack animals. That means donkeys. You know, God's word can be packed up with like heavy burdens. Come you donkey, come on, take this. Or it can be presented as, here's a feast, come and have it. There's a world of difference. It all depends how you preach. It's the same message from the Bible, but you can package it up into a whole lot of rules and regulations and treat everybody like donkeys who are to carry these burdens and send them out instead of preaching God's word like a banquet. Come and feast, brothers and sisters. Everything is ready. God has prepared it. Come and eat. How do you preach God's word? And this is how Phariseeism comes into the church. This is why many people are sick and tired of coming to some of our churches. Ah, we don't want that. And I say to them, I agree with you. I also don't want that. That's not... The, it's from the Bible. But the way it's presented. The same Bible. You can present it in two different ways. And it can be a heavy burden. That's because you're a Pharisee. It's the person. Jesus preached from the same Old Testament that the Pharisees preached from. But he liberated people. But the Pharisees took the same Old Testament and bound people up. Yeah. So that's the other thing we see that the Pharisees do. They don't lift a finger to help them help others in any way. Okay. Number 20. Pharisees seek honor from men. Verse 5. 23, 5. They do all their deeds to be noticed by men. They do all their deeds to be noticed by men. You know how Jesus said, they pray, standing in a corner, blowing a trumpet. Now, Jesus was exaggerating. Jesus was a great master at exaggeration. A speck in somebody's eye, a beam in your eye, and things like that. Great. I love to follow Jesus in exaggeration, where it drives home a point. Not exaggeration when we are reporting Ah, 2,000 people came to my meeting when about 200 people came perhaps. Not that type of exaggeration, which is a lie. But this type of exaggeration would drive home a point. You know, straining out a mosquito and swallowing a camel. I love that. It's great listening to such a preacher. I, I would have loved to listen to Jesus. I would have followed him around everywhere to listen to such wonderful pictures he used about, uh, you know, people who do such things. But uh, so when Jesus said about praying like that, what he meant was that you pray to get honor. Have you ever done that? Any of you holy people ever done that? Prayed in the meeting to uh, get honor from people? I've done it. Uh, <laughs> any honest people here? Okay. 
to get honor to say to say something and you're listening with one ear is anybody saying amen is anybody saying hallelujah nobody saying ah let me pray with more zeal ah, i heard one amen there praise god this is all hypocrisy this is pharisees they are not praying to god they are praying to men do you preach ever to get honor you preach i know times when i you know i judge myself after almost every sermon i preached in the last 30 years i've always gone home and judged myself and god told me so many things in my life that i say because lord i want to improve the quality of my preaching just like if i'm a cook i want to improve the quality of my cooking i want to improve the quality of my preaching i believe that the reason why many people are boring till the day they die because they never judge themselves they think everything is okay they won't even ask their wives what they think about their sermons so if you work on yourself i know god shown me many times that was not necessary that other thing was unnecessary that other thing you said to seek honor and i cleanse myself it gets better and better so in every area we have this tremendous temptation to seek honor from people we want people to know what we're giving to god we want people to know what we're doing for god we want people to know uh, that's why we decided right when we started our ministry that we'd never send a report or a photograph of our work anywhere in the world we don't want anybody to know god it's enough if god knows <clears throat> seeking honor is one of the sins which is not spoken about in the church in most churches and that's why people continue to seek honor but to seek honor from people is what makes a pharisee and with the, the pharisees can only build babylon and if you don't cleanse yourself completely from all seeking honor when you pray seeking honor when you preach seeking honor as an elder brother seeking honor in anything you can never build jerusalem i'll tell you that the more you cleanse yourself from seeking honor the more you'll be able to build the true church of god otherwise it will only be babylon it may look beautiful maybe large but it'll be babylon babylon is pretty large so that's number 20 number 21 verse 5 again they brought in their phylacteries and lengthened the tassels of their garments see there was a law i think it's written in numbers 1538 perhaps I don't remember off hand where the God gave a law to the Israelites that in their dress they must have a border at the bottom of their garments and there must be a cord of blue that went around them those border of their garments to show them that um, to remind them of God's word which came from heaven the sky is blue you see so God's word came to them to remind them to obey God's word there was this tassel of blue uh, around their garments and these Pharisees would make it a little bigger you know yours only 3 inches minus 6 inches uh, around my boards you know because i'm a little uh, holier than you so they this is the 21st thing the pharisees think holiness is in one's dress that is the 21st characteristic of a pharisee he thinks holiness is in the dress and that's why i wore the shirt this morning to show you that holiness is not in a dress because some people are horrified other people can wear the shirt brother zack wearing a shirt like this is a holy man supposed to be a holy man and did you ever feel like that what if i came here in a hawaii shirt or something oh, dear me coming for a meeting like that as for a picnic and all it's okay but for a meeting do you know the amount of phariseeism that is we are saturated with in our life it oozes out little by little it's like getting the pus you know you squeeze some boil a little bit of pus comes out tomorrow there's a little more pus there squeeze it out some more dear me when will we get rid of it 
we have got so many ideas which are completely the opposite of the spirit of Jesus Christ and we've got these ideas in our head from Babylonian Christianity that we have all seen and grown up in for so many years and we've never got rid of it because we don't meditate on scripture we are afraid what will people think because holiness is in our dress you see who said holiness is in your dress that's exactly how these Pharisees felt Jesus didn't feel like that his holiness was not in his dress And Pharisees not only will be careful themselves to just get honor from men, they're always observing other people. What is that person wearing? What is that person wearing? They've got eyes like an eagle, like an owl, even in the dark it can see. Oh, oh, oh I see. Uh-huh. And then they've got it all stored up in their mind, all those information, and then they go home and they'll tell their wives, you know what that sister was wearing and you know what that brother was wearing you know what shoes Nike shoes have you heard of that Nike shoes you know how much they cost I have no time for these things I have no time to talk to my wife about all this rubbish you can do it brother sister you, you want to build Babylon go right ahead and build it I have no time for it I finished with it ages ago Holiness is not in a dress. It's an inner thing. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I think some people will never hear. Let them be. Leave them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. Okay, number 22, verse 6 and 7. They love the place of honor uh, and uh, the banquets and chief seats and to be called rabbi, etc. The 22nd characteristic of the Pharisee is he loves position and titles of honor he loves position in the church and titles of honor he, he feels a little proud that he's an elder brother now are you proud that you're an elder brother you're a Pharisee and no not even the slightest doubt about it don't even ask a second time if you have the slightest bit slightest bit of pride that you are now an elder brother in the church you are a saturated Pharisee you are going to build Babylon and no wonder you're building Babylon in your church because you're proud that you're an elder brother, not an ordinary brother. You're a rabbi. You don't want to call yourself pastor because in our churches you lose honor if you call yourself pastor. So you call yourself, oh, I'm only a brother. But the spirit, is the spirit worse than the spirit of the pastor? It's the spirit of the rabbi. You're a brother with a capital B. Love position love titles of honor I want to read this to you <clears throat> they love to sit at the head table at church dinners basking in the most prominent positions preening in the radiance of public flattery receiving honorary degrees and getting called doctor and reverend that's a living that's a message Bible See, that's why I'm against these titles. I remember I got a letter once saying, <clears throat> Your book, Sex, Love and Marriage, has been widely used all over India, etc., etc., etc. We'd like to give you an honorary doctorate. I just threw it in the garbage bin. 
that letter? Who wants an honorary doctorate? What would Jesus have done if he got a letter like that? He wouldn't have said, Ah, oh, that's great. I can wear the gown and go over and get an honorary doctorate. And Jesus wouldn't be bothered. Who wants this? Who wants all these all this type of honor? Don't seek honor if you want to build a church. Don't love titles and positions. And also, they like you know, when you get these positions, you like to control others. A lot of people like to control other people. Don't let anybody control you. Let me read this. Don't let people put you on a pedestal like that. You all have a single teacher. That's Christ. And you're all classmates. Don't set people up as experts. Warning to the classmates. Don't set people up as experts over your life. Don't allow them to tell you what to do. Save that authority only for God, your Father. Let Him tell you what to do. And don't let people maneuver you. If you're a leader, don't let people maneuver you into taking charge of their lives. Refuse to take charge of their lives. Let God take charge of their lives. I know a lot of people have tried to maneuver me to take charge of their lives. I say sorry. I will not take the position that God should have in your life. I'm not excited. If you try to give me that position, oh brother Zach, I'll do whatever you say. I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell you anything. You know that. All of you have sought advice from me. I say you can throw my advice in the garbage and see God. Don't you know that you know there is only one leader, that's Jesus Christ. And I believe that many, many elder brothers are failing one hundred percent because they are not following Jesus Christ's words in these areas. And that's why they are Pharisees and they are building Babylon. That's why their churches are not becoming better, because they are under the law themselves and they are bringing people under the law. They don't know the freedom of the spirit. Because they love their position and honor. The next point number 23. They corrupt others. Verse 13 and 15. 13 to 15. You shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. You don't enter in yourselves. And you hinder those who are entering in from going in. They corrupt others by various means. You know their way of life is such. That they don't get into God's kingdom themselves. And some sincere, good young people who come to their church get corrupted. You know, this is the great tragedy in Christendom. I've seen young people with a great zeal to live for God, uh, converted, born again, and they come. And what do they see in most of Christendom today? They see this great leader standing up on a platform with the lights all upon him and making a lot of money and living in the five-star hotels. And this young chap who had first seen Jesus in the Bible and thought, I, I really want to be like Jesus. Now he sees, oh, now things have changed now. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to be when I'm a man of God. And uh, ah, if I'm faithful, one day I will also make money like that preacher. One day I'll also stand in the uh, platform like that man one day I'll also be able to stay in a five star hotel that man is corrupted that sincere young man who came with a great desire to follow the Lord you know what young people lack today role models role model means a good example whom they can follow who is seeking to follow in the footsteps of Jesus they corrupt others they don't get into God's kingdom themselves and those who are sincerely coming in they lead them astray into some other path don't be a leader like that then number 24 they take advantage of poor people. It says here they 
devour widows' houses. In verse 14. That means some widow could not pay the rent. They turn her out of the house. Pharisees. And they go in the temple and start praying after that. There are other ways of exploiting widows today. You come over television. And some of these poor widows and old grandmothers who are living on some pension. Watch this television evangelist who's got his own private jet planes and um, always lives in five-star hotels. He tells people, now give money to this ministry and God will bless you. God will give you so much, God will give you so much and you've got to give it by this date or that date. You hear all types of things, such and such a date is the Feast of Atonement and you better give your money before that comes and God will bless you so many times and give 2.4 or 24 and all these crazy, stupid psychological tricks and these poor, simple old widows and mothers who are having problems. You see, oh, if I give to this ministry, I'm in great need, I'll give. And they swipe this money from these poor widows to live in grand style themselves. There are Indian preachers doing it. It's a crime. It's an absolute crime to take advantage of poor people. Anyway, it may not be with money. You can take advantage of poor people in other ways. Never, never, never take advantage of any person. We should be able to say at the end of your life, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, we have taken advantage of no one. Tell me, in what way have I taken advantage of you? Have I made you pay for my travel or anything? Yeah, we have elder brothers who take advantage of others, even in that area, who are, not, who are just lovers of money. Take advantage of others. It's evil. It's absolutely evil to take advantage of other people. In any way, we should be able to say at the end of your life, Whom have I taken advantage of? Have I taken any of your money? Have I taken anything from you? Have I tried to interfere with your life? Have I told you not to do this, not to do that? I mean, I'm concerning the earthly things. I mean, if you want to go somewhere, go somewhere. I've seen elder brothers who, um, you know, are... Uh, leading a church and they get a better opportunity to go somewhere else and they say brother I've got a burden to go there and they go there what for? just because it will advance them in their profession what did I tell them? they tell them not to go go I, I know this is wrong I tell them well if you want to go you go I don't agree with it <laughs> but if a person is self-centered What's the use is doing something because I tell him not to do it. It'll be a dead work. If he doesn't have a sensitive conscience to listen to God, it's no use listening to me. So, we've got to be very careful that we don't take advantage of poor people. Now, the other thing, verse 25, number 25 rather. Pharisees are people who pray long prayers. Verse 14, long prayers in public. For a pretense they make long prayers. And I'll tell you something that I've observed through the years. The people who pray longest in public are the people who don't pray at home. Remember that. Whenever you hear a person praying a long prayer in public, even after it's announced Sunday morning, everybody pray for uh, one minute. There are some people who will not listen to that. They pray much longer. They say that's all for other people. I am a Pharisee. I shall pray for five minutes. Okay, go ahead. But if I were there, I'll start a chorus after one minute to stop that person. Sure. And if he still continues, we'll sing another chorus. We're not going to let people disobey God's uh, uh, 
an advice that's given in the church and think they can get away with it not in a church which I'm running sorry if I tell people to speak for 3 minutes I'll say brother time's up we'd like to hear other people I have seen less than 5% of people who obey when they are told to speak for 3 minutes in our local church if they ask to speak for 1 minute there are some godly people who will obey that but most people just don't obey because they got such a fantastic opinion about themselves if you don't believe me watch in your local church you challenge your elder brother to say everybody speak for 3 minutes and just keep your watch and you'll see the bunch of proud people in your church in no time at all you can experiment with it i've seen it for 30 years in cfc there are very very few humble people they make long prayers I have told elder brothers across this country and other countries in the gulf and everywhere dear brothers I don't think most of you have the content to speak for so long most of you should speak for 15 to 20 minutes you think anybody listens to me <laughs> there'll be a tsunami if they listen to me <laughs> there'll be another tsunami <laughs> they don't listen I preach it for years I in elder brothers meeting I've said for years I mean there are a few brothers like brother Prabhakar or something who's got content to speak for but most people 15 to 20 minutes maximum they won't listen to me I don't sit on their head years have gone by I say it a second time they still won't listen I tell them personally they still won't listen I leave them alone I follow what Jesus said leave them alone they are blind leaders of the blind what to do the brothers in the church complain to me brother is boring listening to this person i say brother what to do i have told them 10 times not to do it what what should i do be like saddam hussein now say come on we're going to run iraq the way i want it run no leave them alone let them do what they like let them destroy themselves you don't follow such a man you live a godly life in the midst of that okay um 26 the verse 15 you travel land and sea to make a proselyte and when you make him you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself they are missionary minded they do god's work for sometimes with great sacrifice they become full time workers but their converts are double children of hell because they don't preach repentance they make people feel they are born again when they are not born again these are pharisaical preachers they make people feel they are filled with the holy spirit when they are not filled with the holy spirit they make people double the children of hell i mean they were already the children of hell before this pharisee went there as a missionary but he went there as a missionary and told this fellow he is born again just because he repeated some mantra lord jesus come into my heart okay brother praise the lord now just put your tithe here every sunday and you're okay and they made the fellow double a child of hell because he he's been insulated against the gospel now now whatever gospel preacher comes and say you must be born again oh i was born again that day when i said this mantra what a deception going on today i've had i've told people in some of our churches some elder brothers that person in your church is not not born again i mean i can see that visiting that church for 3 days i'm amazed at that elder brother who lives there for a whole year can't see it because he's a pharisee he's blind they are making such people double the child children of hell 
We have to be very careful. <clears throat> I've seen some churches where, you know, they're partial to the poor. It's the opposite of being partial to the rich. There are two types of fits. One is to be partial to the rich and the other is to be partial to the poor. Oh, there's a poor person. We will not trouble that person in any way. Uh, we'll honor that person and make that person feel great in our church and send him or her to hell. I won't do that. I'm not a communist trying to raise the standards of the poor. That's not my calling. I'm a Christian. I respect a person who is God-fearing and humble whether they are rich or poor. But just because he's poor, he's not humble and God-fearing, I couldn't care less for him. Because I'm not a communist. A lot of our elder brothers are communists. They care for the poor. I don't. I care for the God-fearing and the humble. And I'm colorblind as to whether they are rich or poor or educated or uneducated. Sometimes we can think, oh brother, our church is a godly church. We don't have any educated people here. We don't have any rich people here. We don't have any cultured people here. We have just a bunch of poor, uneducated, ungodly people. What's the use of that? Babylon in a different color. I'm not interested. You can build your church that way if you want. I'd rather have a a bunch of God-fearing people who may be highly educated. So what? I tell you, this type of crazy stupidity we, I have seen in our churches. We're not talking about some other denomination. Elder brothers in our churches who think godliness equals poverty. Godliness equals being uneducated. Godliness equals living in a hut. This is crazy. Where do you find it in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. So be careful. It's not in all this great sacrifice and making somebody double a child of hell. Number 27. They interpret scripture without revelation. Verses 16 to 22. They interpret scripture without revelation from God. They say, uh, you know, if you uh, swear by the temple, that's nothing. Verse 16. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, oh, that's serious. You fools and blind men, which is more important? They take some word of scripture and they add their modifications to it and interpret it in a particular way. I've seen that also among our elder brothers who preach. They take a particular verse and interpret it in some particular way to make it binding on someone and they don't see the inconsistency that what they are asking another person to do, they're doing themselves in another area. For example, you know, when you jump on some poor sister, as I said the other day, who's wearing an 800 rupee earring on her ear, and this elder brother does not realize he spent 8 lakhs on his house. He doesn't think that's wrong. This is exactly it. Oh, Peter did not say about uh, granite floors in your house. He spoke about earrings. Is it? It's all hypocrisy. They do the same thing themselves, but they've interpreted, manipulated. Yeah, yeah, if you swear by the temple, that's not serious. But you swear by the gold in the temple, that's serious. If you spend uh, 10 lakhs on a grand house, that's nothing. But brother, if you spend 800 rupees on a earring, that's serious. What is this? This is exactly here. You know, interpreting scripture without revelation. And number 28, verse 23. They are sticklers for the letter of the law. They are sticklers for the letter of the law. Verse 23 says, You tithe mint and dill and come in small, small things. Oh brother, you got to do that. And you have neglected mercy. 
and faithfulness. Now we'll come to that. But this letter of the law, they take some small little verse in scripture and emphasize that. And they, like they say, they major on minor issues. A lot of preaching in Christendom which majors on minor issues. And so the church becomes full of people who are very careful about typing mint and dill and cumin. Um, these small, small things in the law. It's in the law. Jesus didn't say you shouldn't do it. But he says you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. That's not the main thing. You know, I have, <clears throat> I once made a Bible study. I probably have it somewhere here. Uh, yeah. No. Um, of, I called it the themes on which Jesus preached. And I made a Bible study on it. I went through all the Gospels. And I said, what are the subjects Jesus preached on? And I found such a lot of wonderful things. Repentance, poverty of spirit, mourning for sin, gentleness, purity, paying your taxes and, and being born again and worship and uh, being without sin and washing people's feet and fruitfulness and love and humility and marital faithfulness and uh, breaking with all traditions and things like that. And I said, Lord, these are the things I should speak on. And there are a whole lot of other things Jesus never spoke on. He never spoke on the way people should dress. Not even once. <laughs> Try and find it. He never spoke on uh, ornaments. Not even once. Uh, you'd be surprised. Jesus never spoke on it. Things which are such major things for some of our elder brothers. Jesus never spoke on it. But some people are holier than Jesus. That's the problem. The sticklers for the letter of the law. I'm not saying these things are not important. I say by all means type your dill, made dill and come in. But concentrate on the major things. Don't spend your whole year preaching on a whole lot of things which are not the major things. Because then your church will be full of Pharisees. Then the 29th characteristic is in the same verse. The Pharisee has no justice, no mercy, no faithfulness. It's in that same verse. You, you should have concentrated on justice mercy and faithfulness that's the thing those, have been, those are the major things and you're concentrating on some small little thing it's like a um, a person, a bride whose bridal gown is all messy and dirty and the small little scratch on her sandals and this uh, elder brother is focusing the um, microscope on that Oh, his magnifying glass. Hey, there's a s scratch on your sandal. We have to uh, remove that scratch, put a little polish there or something. And the whole bridal dress is filthy. This is exactly what is happening in lots and lots of our churches. I'm not saying don't remove that scratch from the sandal. Okay, that's fine. But what is he just concentrating on that when the whole dress is so dirty? There's so much selfishness, so much pride. We're not dealing with that. No mercy, no faithfulness, no justice. Let's concentrate on being merciful to other people, on being faithful in the Christian life, on being upright and righteous. It's very, very important. There's a lot more we can say on that. Then we go to number 30. 
A Pharisee is one who's verse 24, number 30. A Pharisee strains out mosquitoes and swallows camels. And uh, that means they, it's uh, in a sense the same thing, concentrating on the small things. But I want to point out this. I want to read this in the Living Bible, in the Message Bible. Do you have, uh, you know, let me read it more fully. Careful bookkeeping, that means keeping your accounts, is very commendable. But the basics are required. Do you have any idea how silly you look when you write a life story and it's wrong from start to finish? You write a life story and it's wrong from start to finish, but you're very careful about the commas and the semicolons and the full stops. I like that paraphrase. You know, we have we've had a... There's some people here who used to conduct these Bible memory contests. And uh, they were not checking whether people were obeying the scripture. You know how they used to give the prize? If people had their commas and semicolons in the King James Version or whatever version put in the right place. And we've had people who spent their months studying where is the comma and where is the semicolon to get this 200 rupees or 300 rupees what it is to me it's absolute stupidity and you look at the lives of some of these people who win these prizes in all these bible competitions they are Pharisees of the first order absolute Pharisees from top to bottom who don't the whole bridal dress is dirty but they got their commas and semicolons in the right place it's a deception it's a fantastic deception to have the commas and the semicolons in the right place and the whole story is wrong. This is a perfect picture of what's happening in a lot of places. But brother, we must put the comma there. I agree you must put a comma there, but the whole story is wrong. There's no love in your heart. So, let's be careful about that. To strain out mosquitoes and swallow camels means small, small things you pick out. And there are big, massive things. Another place Jesus said about having a beam in your eye and there's a speck in the other person's eye. Do you think, let me ask you a question. All the intelligent people here. Is adultery a speck or a beam? What do you think? Adultery. I'm not talking about small little sins like telling a small lie. Adultery. Is it a speck or is it a beam? You know, I mean you know because I'm trying to catch you so you know the answer. It all depends on its on how it's a relative thing. Is this pulpit big or small? You're clever. You say it's relative it's compared to a skyscraper. <laughs> compared to a skyscraper, this pulpit is a dot. Is the earth big or small? Relative compared to the universe, a grain of sand, a speck. It's relative. Adultery is a speck compared to the sin of judging other people. The Pharisees stood there and judged the woman caught in adultery. She had a speck, they had a beam. And that's what Jesus tried to point out. But do you think many of our elder brothers know that? That even adultery, such a terrible sin, is a speck compared to the terrible sin of not being merciful, not loving, but judging people. I tell you, 90% of our elders don't know it. And that's why our churches are suffering. We are producing Pharisees 
multiple Pharisees. We need to judge ourselves more and learn that love is the end of the gospel. To love God with all our heart and to love one another. That's the most important thing. If you don't have that, all this picking out, even Jesus saying, even adultery is not serious. It is serious in God's eyes. But your sin is much worse. If we can see that. I believe that even if you owe somebody five rupees, that is serious. Leave alone adultery. But judging tops the list. Read that article there which you got there on judging. <clears throat> okay. Number 31, verse 25 and 26. A Pharisee is one who concentrates on and cleanses his outward life and emphasizes externals primarily. Verse 25 and 26, you clean the outside of the cup, but inside is all full of self-indulgence. So a Pharisee is one who cleanses the outside of his life and does not concentrate on the inside. And what is in the inside? It says here, self-indulgence. That means greed. Are you greedy? Do you want to have more and more and more? You have that inside you. You're selfish without thinking of other people. You only think of yourself and your family inside. You don't think of reaching out to other people to bless other people with the gospel. You're just greedy, selfish inside. But outside, you dress properly. You speak nicely. You don't wear any ornaments. You always cover your head properly in the meeting. That's exactly the type of person whom Jesus is talking about. You clean the outside. And inside, you're selfish, self-centered, greedy, miserly. You're not generous. You're not thinking concern of other people. This is cleaning the outside of the cup. And anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you like that? A Pharisee cleanses his outward life. Number 32. Verse 30. A Pharisee says concerning evil that other people do, I would never have done that. Verse 30. They say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have killed the prophets. Yeah, you know, it's very easy to say concerning when you see somebody else sin. Oh, I would never have done like that. I would never dress like that. I would never behave like that. I would never have spoken like that. He doesn't know the corruption of his own flesh. A Pharisee is one who says, I would never do that. He, he, he says, he doesn't realize the corruption in his own flesh. A godly man is one who recognizes what that person did, I'm also capable of doing. God's restraining power kept me from doing it. I've known brothers who have fallen into adultery. And I say, Lord, if it were not for your grace, the same thing would have happened to me. I'm not better than them. I, I will not say, oh, I would not have done that. Be careful whenever you have that attitude towards somebody else who has fallen into some sin. You know, there's so much of Phariseeism, like this boils, you know, where you've got to squeeze out all the pus. I would encourage you to squeeze out all the pus from this big, massive boil of Phariseeism that infected us for so many years. Lastly, 
Matthew 23 verse 34 and 36 Number 33 Pharisees persecute God's prophets Some of these prophets Verse 34 You'll kill Crucify You'll scourge in your synagogues You'll persecute them from city to city A Pharisee is one Who gets offended When he hears a prophet He he persecutes him in one way or the other. He's disturbed. He, he likes to hear somebody who flatters him. He does not like to hear somebody who rebukes him and corrects him. Are you one of those who like to hear a preacher who flatters you and tells you you're a great guy? And you don't like to hear someone who tells you straight to your face that you're a hypocrite? You get offended with that person? You're a Pharisee. Pharisees hate prophets. They don't like to listen to prophets. They don't because prophets, you read the Old Testament prophets, how they preached. They told Israel straight their sin and they persecuted them. Well, we've gone through some of these marks of a Pharisee in these, this chapter. I've gone through it quickly. But I would encourage you, my brother, sister, to meditate on this. There's a lot in it. And if you're determined like I am, to squeeze out every last drop of pus from this massive boil called Phariseeism, you'll become a godly person. Let's bow our heads before God. <clears throat> Let's be still for a moment and think. It's time for us to judge ourselves first before we think of preaching to other people and think of how much our attitude has hindered the work of God through many years in our locality and it is all written in the Bible the gift of honesty and humility this morning to acknowledge our need forgive us our sins forgive us our pride our arrogance and help us to humble ourselves and see ourselves as you see us pray in Jesus name. Amen. I just want